0: Hello, this is episode 242 and in it, I continue my conversation with Joe Darlow, builder and owner of the Hemp Building Co. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview, please head back to episode 241. You'll actually hear Joe explain to us exactly what hemp and hempcrete are, the numerous benefits of it as a building material, and things that you specifically need to know if you're planning to build with it. Design issues, all of those kinds of things that are important to take into consideration. You can listen to that episode or you can grab the full transcript for free by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 241. That's the numbers 241. Now in this episode, Joe continues continues, uh, sharing more detail about building with hempcrete and we talk about what to do if you want to clad it versus using the lime render and other aesthetic choices that you might want to make depending on how you want it to look. We also discuss cost and using it in a bushfire prone area as well and how suitable it is for that. And if you're curious about hemp insulation, which I know I get questions about as well, we also discuss that in this episode. Loads to listen to. So remember as well, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode you and all of information on the resources that we discuss, you can do that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 242 that's the numbers 242. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognize the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before I'm Amelia Lee based in Northern New South Wales, Australia. I'm a wife, mum, and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid 2014, I started Undercover Architect and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands Tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about leveling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious. And you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Before we kick off part two of my conversation with Joe, let me just remind you about him and the Hemp Building Co. Joe came across Hemp and Lime Building in about the year 2000 whilst reading an article about the use of this wonderful biocomposite in the restoration of a historic wattle and door building by a female heritage consultant in France. The article also mentioned the equally successful use of the material on several new housing projects, and this was indeed the lightbulb moment for Joe, and having a deep understanding of the behaviour and benefits of using natural plant-based materials in building homes, it seemed that hemp hempcrete ticked all the boxes and no other contenders came close. Joe believes that if we are serious about creating buildings that are truly sustainable, there is no other renewable source that comes close to providing the benefits of the industrial hemp plant. Changing careers, retraining as a builder in 2006, Joe focused on using more natural building materials and methods, including building his own home in 2011 from Hempcrete. And he talked in our last episode about the lessons he learned from it and how it attracted many others who were also interested in using this fantastic material and exploring what it could offer in sustainability credentials, thermal comfort and a healthy home. Since then, he's helped and supported countless homeowners and industry professionals through his company, The Hemp Building Co., which is based in Kyneton, Victoria, and he has a significant reputation for his expertise and experience as an industry leader in Hempcrete. We kick off part two with some detailed discussion about working with Hempcrete and what your options are for finishing it and cladding it to create a particular look or feel for your home. Now, as a reminder as well, you can download a free PDF transcript of this episode and links to the resources we mentioned by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 242. Can we talk through, because obviously you said your house can look any way that you want it to, you've got your 300 wall. You know, it requires that lime render to provide the waterproofness to the to the to the because the the hemp itself is a is a vapor permeable membrane. Um the the lime render on the outside is obviously what prevents rain from soaking through that wall and penetrating through that wall. In you mentioned lime on the inside as well. Can you can you leave it exposed on the inside? And if you want to um, can we also talk through some options about what happens if somebody does want, say, weatherboard cladding or they want to be able to hang a bunch of pictures on the walls inside so that means that they're, they're going to have plasterboard or something like that? What do you need to take into account if you want to add cladding or just work with the lime in terms of um, the, the, yeah, the finish of the wall?
1: Indeed. And, again, that's something that we, um, we work with, with clients quite extensively. In, in the majority of cases, um, when we were talking about the timber frame, the structural frame, that is generally built in the central axis. And what I mean by that is that you've got hempcrete on both sides of that frame. So you're, you're essentially engulfing the, um, the the frame in the hempcrete. In that particular scenario, the external wall, hempcrete wall, has to have a, a line rendered finish, because the line rendered finish is actually what gives you the weatherproofing. So when we go for our building permit application, there's a number of different um, areas that you need to comply with and weatherproofing is one of them. Fire resistance is another, insulation is another. So in that particular scenario, you would definitely render your external wall. While we're talking about the external wall, there is the option of cladding that external wall in whatever cladding you you choose. The difference that we, uh, the, the, the approach there would be different in terms of at the design stage, if we know that the client wants to use, say for example, corrugated iron, we would uh, design the house in a way where the structural frame is positioned more to the external side of the wall. The That frame is then after you've, you've built, you would have a temporary or even a permanent formwork on the on the outside face of that timber frame, and then once the hempcrete walls are built, you would use a, a timber batten, either in the vertical plane or in the horizontal plane, depending on which way your cladding is going. To, your finished cladding is going to run. So if we were using that external cladding, the 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 gap that we create with the batten, say a 35 mil batten, does two things. It, it provides a little bit extra thermal resistance, so you are value, and it does improve the insulation some somewhat. But it also stops anybody. So if we were to put that cladding directly onto the onto the hempcrete, we would stop that uh, or inhibit that natural progression of vapor, that breathability. We have this beautiful wall. Which we're going to slowly kill because we've we've put a, a barrier on it. Um, so the baton kind of ensures that no matter what happens down the track. So if you would say put um, weatherboards on that external, on those external battens, and that gets painted with synthetic paint, it wouldn't matter because we've got this air gap that we've created. On the inside, uh, I return back to what I was saying earlier that we we tell people that. Hemp was always designed as an overall system, meaning it was designed to be like a sandwich where you had render or cladding and and render on the inside. Now, we do get quite a few people that are are really interested in that natural striation that you create by working with the formwork.
0: It's so beautiful.
1: Mm, It is, it is. Um, The only thing I say to people, that's fine, as long as you know that you'll get a little bit more thermal performance if you render it. Um, you'll get a, you'll get that wall. It'll stop dusting because you'll you'll consolidate that uh, surface, and you also improve the acoustic. But we do, you know, often get people that still want that natural look, and uh, it will need a, a natural breathable sealer. So no matter what we do with the external or internal wall, we have to use a material that is sympathetic to this vapor permeability, this breathability that I keep referring to. Um, we don't want to apply, you know, plastic paints on that surface, again, for those same reasons, because we want to, you know, continue this, this wonderful process of that wall uh, regulating the humidity inside a house, because we all, you know, we cook, we wash, we sweat. Um, you know, in normal sort of house conventions, that's got nowhere to go. But with a hemp creek wall, because of that breathability, we know uh, it's dealing with that moisture. Yeah, um, you mentioned before about um, you know say appliances or, or, or wall cupboards. Again, that's part of the design at design stage. If we are if we know that there is a kitchen wall and we're going to have overhead cupboards, we would put um, infrastructure in place. So when the uh, fixed carpenter comes in and, and all those fittings and fitments are, are being installed, there are fixing points uh, for into the hempcrete. Hemp Creek wall without those uh, blocks or uh, or strips, fixing strips, can still hold a screw. Uh, If you were hanging even a heavy uh, mirror, uh, it will will do so without any any infrastructure behind it. But if we're taking wall cabinets and and expecting them to stay up, we would need some infrastructure behind it to um, fix them into.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So, cause I've seen, um, we had Hamish um, White on the podcast uh, just before this episode talking about his hempcrete home and I've seen on his Instagram, um, he's got timber blocks in the wall where he's wanting to hang some wall shelves. And obviously the fact that there is a timber frame in the wall, you mentioned that you can play with that to accentuate reveals around the windows because the windows are get fixed into that frame. So it's quite interesting to think about I think if listeners can think about how that wall gets constructed, the frame goes up first, the external form on, then the internal form just a certain height. That means that it's very different to something like precast concrete, for example, where you build the whole form and then you just basically fill it from the top. So you're having to form all of the windows, you're having to form every single hole that you want in that wall, you're having to think about all of the different PowerPoints and things like that. I can imagine um, this the the actual fact that you fill the form gradually gives you some flexibility in how much, how much you have to prep? I suppose in that form work. When you're doing power on the inside, do you have to? How do you accommodate that? Do you have to chase it, or how to, How does that work?
1: Yeah. yeah so um, that uh, job that can be a job with Hamish. Um, yeah. We we, we spent um, you know, literally months with the original um, architect, and then uh, quite a bit more time with Hamish and, uh, and his team. Just. So as we could get that infrastructure considered, um, yeah, it was it was a it's a big house and, and it's, it's it'll be the first um, certified passive hempcrete house, which is exciting. Um, but you know, we we um, we didn't know too much about passive house a little bit, and 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 the Sanctum Boys didn't know anything about hempcrete. So you know, <laughs> we we worked really well together, and it was really important to get that infrastructure right. Yeah. Look, with with electrical, we run a twenty five mil conduit where the wiring passes through it. The twenty five mil conduit gives a little bit of airspace around the wiring, because the wiring, obviously, with the current running through it, can get quite hot, and we don't want this super insulated hemcrete to be too close to the wiring. So that conduit essentially um, provides a, an air cavity for the um, for the uh, wiring. Um, we, we set up uh, wall boxes, they're called. They're, they're, they can be either a steel or a, uh, or a plastic uh, wall box, which are fixed in place um, where the power points and light switches will eventually be. Uh, we talk with the... We, we recommend that we talk to the electrician during that uh, frame stage so we can get involved because depending on how they've set up the wiring and which way it runs they can either run the wiring uh, before we start or after we're finished, they can actually run the wiring through the conduit afterwards. So that's an important process. Uh, and, and the same thing goes with the plumber. I, I, I want to touch on, uh, you mentioned about re- the window reveals, uh, which, yeah, it's a really uh, great opportunity to create that, that unique feel that the individual client wants. You know, So we can essentially box out that uh, that. Timber reveal, uh, that deep timber reveal um, with with either the timber, um, or we can actually um, render that reveal, and we can also, uh, if we know beforehand, rather than just having a ninety degree uh, wall, you know reveal coming out and meeting the internal walls, we can also soften that by either having a rounded edge, or even a uh, an angled an angled beveled edge, which interestingly. Um, allows more light coming into the room. Yeah, and, you know, I know people love the, uh, the raw look of hempcrete, but I want to um, just add there is some really spectacular finishes uh, and textures that you can create with a lime or clay-based render. They have this beautiful patina. You know, I, I know I'm influenced, I've got an Italian background and I guess I, <laughs> I grew up, um, you know, as a, as a young boy and just really, um, I, I really focus on uh, if I'm ever in a, in a house where there's a lime render, but, you know, we, we, we can work with anybody, you know, if, if a person doesn't want that render, we can work with it, which is an important aspect when you consider a person's budget. We've, you know, it, it, all, it all comes into uh, into play.
0: Yeah. Does the lime, can you pigment it if you don't want it to be its natural colour? Do you just add oxides and things like that to it to get it yeah, to the colours that you want? Yeah,
1: you can. So I've introduced uh, a, um, an old solid plasterer, when I should to call him old, but he uses the old techniques, the old tradition to the Cambia project. And um, I'm looking forward to the open day because um, people will see yeah, uh, this this house, the external render and uh, and the internal work uh, were really, uh, it, lo- it looks amazing already, but um, in, in its finished state, I think it'll be just the most wonderful exemplar of hempcrete in Australia.
0: That's super exciting. All right. You mentioned working with people on their budgets. So let's get into that all important conversation around cost, because this by, by far and away is the... Um, You know, I find is the common question for homeowners. I have loads of members in Home Method, for example, who really love the idea of hemp. Um, They can wrap their heads around, you know, that it might mean that they're working with specialist installers and need to make, you know, we talk a lot in Undercover Architect about bringing forward your decision making and designing all of these things in, not thinking about them on site when you're actually executing. So all of that works what they really want to know is how does it compare to conventional construction and you know what kind of premium are they going to be expected to pay to incorporate something like this into their home so can you dive into the cost for us and sort of i know it's it's tricky at the moment in the industry in particular costs are all over the place but i think if we can just give it sort of some relevance to you know what people would be traditionally building from then it's um then that's probably a great place to start
1: it is um it is a common question for us and it still remains the most difficult to answer because in my experience, it's not the hemp rate itself that makes it either cheap or expensive. I've found in my experience as a builder and, and in many respects as part of the design process, that it's probably more to do with the, the design of the house. One storey, two storeys, you know, um, how big it is. The site um, but also the, the the fittings and fitments that are uh, add to, added to it. So if we consider a house at, say, lockup stage, people will be interested to know that at that point, whether it's Hemquid or any other build, you are halfway through the budget and halfway through the timeline. So people think when you've got to lock up, you're, you know, you're, you're home and hose, but in fact, you're only halfway there. So, and I also add there is, when we say, and we can give a person a, a square metre rate of a hemp grid house, what is the comparison? You know, unless they have some solid numbers of what it would cost to build brick veneer, a quality brick veneer house and quality, you know. So, yeah, it's a difficult question to to ask, but I will I will answer it in this way. If we were to build two homes, one was brick veneer and the other was the hempcrete house. And the house was built in a quality way. So we're not talking about volume builders here. In a quality way, um, same design. Everything, everything is, is, is exactly the same. I reckon with a cast-in-situ house, we would be about 20% more expensive, 15 to 20% more expensive, purely because of, mainly because of the labour. So the material rate, if you break that down, is actually quite comparable to many other um, you know, products out there. But it's the labour that pushes the, the, the cost a little bit more. Having said that, earlier on I talked about many of our um, people that build with us are owner-builders. So if you extract part of that labour out because the owners themselves are involved, and the reason I say part of the labour, because what we're finding is more and more building surveyors, so you're RBS, are requiring that at least one or two installers have a number of years of experience. And so in that average house that I spoke about before, 200 square metres, we would need about four people working on those walls. So if two of them were... The owner and a friend or the or the two of them together with two of uh, our installers that would obviously drop the price from 20 percent to probably you know very comparable to your brick veneer so i hope i've done a reasonable <laughs> job with answering that <laughs> question because it is a difficult one yeah. and, and as you know as a as a, uh, an architect yourself it's um it, it, it does come down to the design i mean if you, take into, if you take into account, um, say, the Cambia project, uh, premium house, you know, large in size and compare that to something we built, um, you know, about 12 months ago in Newstead, uh, which was only an 82 square metre house. It was essentially a square box. I mean, yeah, the, the price obviously does significantly change um
0: yeah. And when you say 20% more, do you just mean 20% more for the, the masonry component, the walls, or you mean like that the, yeah, a $500,000 house would go into be $600,000? Yeah,
1: I'm talking about that the hemp and lime plus the render. Um, and again, we don't know whether people are going to render the inside or what they're doing. Um, and, and of course, you know, we've got owners that decide to do their own rendering. So it's a, it's, it's again, we've got all these variables, and it's hard to sort of pinpoint an actual price. But, you know, until we actually see a set of drawings and we can measure and calculate the amount of walls and the, the amount of labor and installation and material, yeah, it's look, I, I can, you know, I can say that uh, yeah, you're around 15, 20% if you have, if you get a, um, a a registered builder to build that house without the, uh, input labor from the owners.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Now, well, it gives people somewhere to start, and I think that it's really um, the important thing here is to be talking about this at the design phase. This isn't something that you design a house, you know, fully, fully commit to everything, and then decide at that point that you're just going to apply hemp as a solution to it. It's the same, you know, Hamish was talking in his interview about using structural insulated panels. All of these kinds of decisions are so much better. They're, you'll be better served if you get onto them early in your design process and design a house in accordance with what you want to build it from rather than the other way around. So um, I really appreciate it. And I know that it is. it's one of those things because it's a custom solution is never going to be comparable to a volume build solution. And I talk a lot about this in Undercover Architect as well. At some point, everybody will open the paper or look online or see a billboard on the side of the road that says that they can get a full bedroom house for 200 and something thousand and, and, and that that price is never the real price anyway because of all of the add-ons and things like that that come into it. It's just, um, it's really good for people to have somewhere to start in thinking about it. So,
1: Indeed, and I think if I can also add there that um, in part of that, uh, Um, consideration, that that equation that you you come up with, if we say, uh, you know, happy to concede that it's 15, 20% more expensive, when you consider, when you apply in that formula of of consideration, the the long-term benefits, I mean, we did a house, we went to visit a house in Limeville, which is again, central Victoria a few weeks ago. And Limeville is cold at the best of times. And um, uh, so we arrived on a Saturday morning. Uh, the owners there at home haven't fully moved in. They're still moving, uh, living in Melbourne. And they, uh, they arrived there Friday night and they put the wood heater on for a few hours before they went to bed. We arrived to take some photos um, and do a story on them the um, the following morning at about 10, 30, I think it was. And we walked into the, the room and outside it was 11 degrees. And we knew that because there was a gauge on the wall and uh, inside was 21 degrees. And I said to David, the owner, oh, that wood heater, you know, that does the job. And he said, well, it's not on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even myself, you know, after um, all this, all this time in this, uh, working in this space, um, now, what I'm what I'm suggesting is that there is um, in that equation we need to include the uh, the the costs that you save over a period of time, particularly at the moment where we see you know gas prices at these astronomical um, you know, sort of figures. So, um, the payback time will be quite short, and uh, with long term benefits. So. Perhaps that's uh, something that I know that I'm probably got the salesman hat on, here, but, I,
0: <laughs>
1: but I do mean that hand on my heart. Um, it, it is it is going to uh, be a cost that will be lost in in, in somewhere in your memory um, as the years go by.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So luckily, we've got a beautiful community of listeners who think long term about these things. So it's uh it's awesome. Now you mentioned suitability for bushfire zones. So can we just quickly talk, talk about um do you know what bow rating it achieves off the bat or you know how people can I, and i saw that footage that you shared on instagram with the blowtorch and how differently the hemp performed to the wood it was quite extraordinary so um how does it go and what bow rating does it achieve
1: okay so if we if we are building a house uh hempcrete house in a bushfire area and we have a, the, the central cast timber frame which means we've got hempcrete wall on the other side the the BCA, or when you go for your building permit, the building surveyor will will uh, have to be a, uh, a render on the external side, about a 20 mil thick render. Now that 20 mil thick render is what is actually the document that will achieve the fire resistance level. If you build that house, um, if you, sorry, I'll take one step back. If, that house can be built in a flame zone. So flame zone, FZ, is the highest um, fire level we have as far as bushfires is concerned. Bearing in mind that the rest of the design would have to be, so your windows and your eaves and everything else, but the wall itself is completely fireproof. Um, and when I say documented, I mean that we also sell uh, render and um, we have the technical data sheet which specifies it, which is a really handy document because the building surveyor who is ultimately providing the building permit um, doesn't have to do his or her own research. The document that we provide gives it that um, that FZ rating.
0: Gotcha. All right. That's awesome. And that's really great for people to know. So, and like you say, you then have to obviously consider uh, what else are you gonna put in that wall and to how and, and its ability to be bow rated to that or bushfire attack level rated to that particular level. But um correct,
1: yeah. So you'd look yeah. at it from even your deck has to be designed uh, to be uh, fire resistant and your eaves and your windows, correct. Yeah, you're yeah.
0: right. We did a whole season, season 12 of the podcast called Rebuild and Build Better, um, all about rebuilding after bushfires and building in bushfire prone areas and uh, Dick Clark and Andy Marlowe from Envirotexture were on that podcast um, season and talking about a hemp home that they did that had fantastic um uh colour bond uh, awnings that came down and and when they were erected, they were like shade structures over the um the deck. And they it was when they had the site uh rated, this actual house site wasn't. Um, was quite a low bushfire attack level, but they looked at at the topography and couldn't understand why it was being rated so low and the owner agreed um, that in terms of their own personal risk management that they'd rather build it to a higher bushfire attack level because... Um, they, you know, had seen obviously what had happened uh, during the Black Saturday fires and those kinds of things. And, yeah, we did that season early 2020, so after the Black Summer fires that we had um, down the east coast of Australia. So it was really great to be able to share hemp as a, a really viable alternative in these bushfire prone areas yeah, as a fantastic building material. Mm. So, yeah. Um, now, before we wrap up, I just wanted to talk with you about hemp insulation. So I, this is something that I've had members ask about in terms, and I know that I've even seen some builders experiment with just actually shoving hemp inside a framed wall to see you know, if they pack it down, what then can they measure in the thermal performance of that wall as a bit of an investigation of it. I know you've been potentially dabbling in this and it's just, I'm curious about hemp as an alternative product for insulating our walls.
1: Look, it's, uh, if we will get there one day at the moment, um, we're still um, at the very, very early evolution where we're just trying to get an industry. So again, going back to three or 400 hectares, we've got a business case we can, we can, um, yeah, we can set off from there. And as, as we grow, we will definitely, we are very interested in, in hemp insulation. The, hemp insulation if you can find it in Australia is usually imported and it's and hemp in that form is very expensive to move around. you know it's, it's all volume. I'm not sure whether just packing it into a wall is going to be you know something that you can roll out because as you and I both know, Amelia, you need to have a document. you need to have something that certifies that that product is uh, says you know it does what it says it does. And so, until that uh, something more that is manufactured, where you can test a batch and have that um, regulated and then certified, yeah, I, I guess in in what I'm saying is that hemp insulation made here in Australia will be a feature one day, uh, and when it does, it is a uh, it'll be a game changer because the the problem we have with trying to convince farmers to grow industrial hemp. Uh, And there's probably a couple of different um, problems there. And one of them is that there is only a market for the hemp shiv. And they don't really uh, achieve a really great gate price with just the hemp shiv. Um, We are talking to them about carbon credits one day. That will will be a game changer. But the other game changer will be uh, if we can produce material from the hemp insulation. So that fibre that is removed which is currently just being stored, you know, in, in warehouses. Hemp insulation is sort of the low-hanging fruit. I think there's other products that you can make out of it, but that is probably the, you know, where, where you would start with uh, making products out of the, um, the fibre. So, yeah, until that happens, stuffing it into the walls is probably, you're not going to get away with it. I think the building surveyor will want some sort of um, document that certifies it. But yeah, look, it is it is incredibly, I, I've seen some um, material that is uh, being developed in Europe and um, I saw some earlier samples, which weren't so great, but what they are producing now is exciting. It's a really, really good quality, high thermal, thermal resistance. So that R value we were talking about before. Um, and again, you know, we've got the ideal conditions in Australia. So uh, we're, we're still at that early pioneer stage, you know, and uh, but I think the early adopters, innovators have done their bit
0: <laughs> and now
1: we're looking at mainstream and it's people like yourself to get the message out there to help us support that uh, that industry. Um, if I can just add, um, hand on my heart, we're working with farming groups because uh, uh, when the, the water rights were privatised, a lot of uh, unemployment uh, was basically overnight was lost. You know, a lot of employment was lost in, in a lot of these townships around the Murray. And so they are seriously looking at industrial hemp as an alternative crop. And so, you know, we've got this perfect storm brewing. You know, we've got the conditions, we've got the, the farmer know-how, we've got people, I guess, people like me that, that, that understand the way this material works and knows where, where the, the future might lie. It's just that little bit of picking up that uh, more mainstream Um, as that bell curve goes up, um, that will drive it. And uh, the investment is probably where we are are at, at the moment. So building a business case first, and then we'll look at investors and go from there.
0: Joe, I can't thank you enough for the um, just the generous way that you've taken us through this in such detail and given everybody a really fantastic insight into hemp as a building material. Like you, I'm incredibly excited about this. I think that, I think that you know we talked about sustainability being misused at the beginning. My, um, I got to see the Regenerating Australia documentary, the short documentary that um, the team at Twenty Forty have put together. Um, A few weeks ago, they talk about regeneration, um, being the terminology that we need to be using instead of sustainability, Um, that regenerative design regenerative practices that's what we need to be doing in order to actually claim back what's been happening to our climate and be able to actually repair the damage that's been done so. And I can just see that using something like this product um, just provides us an incredible pathway to it. So I, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that there's listeners uh, who are tuning into this and going, oh, gosh, actually, this aligns with so many of my personal values. Connecting farmers to their products, you know, giving farmers business cases for that really work for them, having a crop that they can farm twice a year, you know, that sequesters carbon, that performs really well from acoustic and thermal insulation, it's healthy home. It just ticks all of the boxes. So I really appreciate your time, Joe, and uh, and sharing with us such incredible information about this building product.
1: Amelia, I thanked you at the start and I thank you again uh, for the opportunity and I, I'll add um, something else to, to conclude this, is that I am in a very, very fortunate position where I'm working with a lot of um, young people and that uh, they have a different take on, on, um, on sustainability. Uh, and it's really exciting. And they are talking about, as you say, regenerative. So we're going beyond the word sustainable. Uh, Deconstructability is another one that is, uh, is, is coming, coming forward, you know. And so you know we're we're poised, uh, and I'm just very fortunate to um, to be in a pretty good position to kind of see the industry go from being called crazy <laughs> to um, being called progressive. And uh, again, thanks again, Melia, appreciate yeah.
0: it. That's my pleasure. Progressive to mainstream, hey. Thank you so much, Joe. Holy cow! I get excited when I speak to people like Joe, and I see just how much there is out there. That is ready to really transform the way that we build and renovate homes in this country and beyond. Can you imagine if if funding was given to this like it is to the coal and gas industry? What an incredible opportunity to provide a mainstream alternative to building with bricks and creating much more comfortable, high-performance, sustainable and healthy homes, plus enable farmers a whole other industry opportunity. Now, when we finished up, Joe actually told me that he'll keep me up to date with the progress that he's making with getting more farmers on board. So I'll keep you posted on that as well. He said it's a rotational crop uh, with two harvests per year. So you plant it in one area and you harvest six months later, and then you can plant beside that and harvest six months after that. So in comparison, most regions of Australia apparently can only produce one crop of grain per year. There are some that can do a summer and a winter crop, but most produce just one. So it's amazing to see what opportunities there are for using a crop like hemp and if we can find avenues for all of the parts of hemp it's uh it's really the sky's the limit in what this could mean so i just i just i get so excited about what's becoming more available in the residential construction industry and particularly the options that it presents you as the homeowner when you're wanting to build and renovate you know you don't just have to do what's always been done it's 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 just incredible what you can do with the decisions that you make for your home and the quality and the type of home that you create. Now, I do hope that you found both this episode and the last one super helpful. It's really been a deep dive into hemp and hempcrete and uh, so really great information for anybody who's considering this, this material and, and that you learned a lot. You know, Joe was very, very generous with what he shared and and the wisdom and experience that he certainly gave us uh, on both uh, part, part one and part two of the conversation. Now, I've got transcripts of the, both of these episodes. So you can grab the uh, PDF downloadable transcript for free of this episode by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 242. And last episodes was 241. So, and all of our podcast episodes, they're all on available on one page. So once you opt in for one, you can just bookmark that URL on your web browser, and then you can keep going back to that page to see the next um, podcast transcript. So you don't have to go and request it again. I've got links also on that transcript for how you can find Joe and the Hemp Building Co. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed the information that he's shared here, please reach out to him and let him know that you heard about him on Undercover Architect. And uh, I'm sure that he'll be super chuffed to um, learn that uh, it was helpful for you. Remember too, if you want to get started on your project journey or you want to understand more about what you can do along the way to save time, money and stress when renovating or building your home, I know you're going to love my video workshop. uh, It's called Your Project Plan and you can access it for free. Plus, I've got a huge range of lovely bonuses available there for you by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.